Good afternoon and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and we have a, a fantastic, amazing show today. I can't wait to introduce you to my guest and what we are going to be talking about today. But first off, I want to make a quick uh, couple announcements. Uh, thank you, KUHS Denver, for hosting the council here in Colorado. We are broadcasting live all over, not only Colorado, but in all across the nation and all across the world. We are being listened to this show in over 40 different countries, and the numbers continue to grow. This show would not be possible without you, and it would not be possible without KUHS Denver, who has the best shows and the best programs, the best personalities. Tune into KUHS Denver for all your programs and all your music that you want to listen to. Um, also, I have a, a book that's coming out. It's called Meditations for Masters of the Axial Age. I finally have a launch date. The launch date is going to be July 10th. Uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting news to finally get uh, published from my first book. It's going to be on bookbaby.com, and you'll be able to purchase it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobol, uh, all the sites, all the major sites. You'll be able to purchase it, print and ebook. And you'll get a time to spend some time with the masters themselves. You get to meet with Socrates, the Greek tragedy playwrights, Ezekiel, uh, Lao Tzu, the mystics of the Upanishads, and of course the Buddha. All of these great luminaries in this major epic, this major part of history, uh, of human history that led to all the foundations of all of our religious traditions around the world. And sitting with these masters, learning from them, I consider it a self-help book for the soul. And so hopefully uh, you'll like it and you'll want to buy it, and it'll, it'll, you'll find that it uh, uh, enriches your soul in ways that you, you never imagined possible. A teacher can only teach you to think. They can't teach you anything else. And in order to understand those secrets in the soul, you've got to navigate there. You've got to sit with these masters. So anyway, please look out for it. Uh, it's going to be available on July 10th. Again, it's Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Today's show is going to be focused on the empath. You know, what is the empath? The empath is a, it's that, it's a, a word that's been used around a lot more lately, especially in the last uh, 10 years, 15 years. And it's this idea that we can really feel the world around us. You know, there was something being sensitive. And how do we know if we are one? How do we know if, uh, you know, what are our strengths? What are their weaknesses? Uh, are there pitfalls of being an empath? And if you are one, you know, what tools are out there to help empaths take care of themselves? <laughs> can create better boundaries and harness the strengths to create success in their life, uh, emotional freedom, and the unshakable confidence in their lives. Now, I've, uh, I've always, since I was a little boy, I've always been very attuned to the people around me. Um, uh, I consider myself an empath. I could sense when some bad juju was in the room, and I'd walk into it. I could feel when other people were hurting, and I wanted to help, and I wanted to take away their pain. It's been a part of my nature since I, I can remember, uh, since early, early childhood. And this yearning desire and wanting to take care of other people and, and, and even 
sacrificing some of my own my own health and well-being in order to take care of others had some consequences or along the road uh, there are things about the empath that I didn't understand that you needed to take care of yourself and that you could fall into these kind of codependent shadow patterns you know there's there's patterns that you need to understand about that, about being an empath that if you don't uh, they can uh, unconsciously take over, like the codependent, like the scapegoat, like the victim, like the addict, uh, like the shadow rescuer. And these were all different things that I played in my, uh, in my life in different scenarios, whether it was relationships, whether it was at work, whether it was uh, my dedication to organizing, all those things that fell into these kind of patterns. And the codependent is really someone whose who's esteem system is based on being needed. And you need me. You know, it's, it's kind of back to this, you, know, you fear this abandonment thing. And so you're going to sacrifice all of your needs and all of your wants and all of your hopes and all of your dreams in order to take care of somebody else or another group or whatever. And hopefully by taking care of their needs, their wants, their feelings, their emotions, their traumas, their pain, that somehow you'll get back to your needs again and feel safe and loved and secure and valued in a relationship. And you're, you're, you, you really are, 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 are trying to please too many people. You need people to stay broken in order to feed that codependent. You need them to stay wounded because then I can come in and fix you and I'm here because I'm here to be needed. <laughs> and in being needed, I know I have value to you. And another, another of these archetypes, and these are archetypal patterns that we end up falling into, is the, the, the scapegoat. And that's a, that person gets value by absorbing the darkness of everyone else. I'm going to take on all of your pain. I'm going to just absorb it. And, and it's someone who receives all of the shadow projections of other people. And if you're not aware of that, you become the toxic dump of everyone else's unfinished business and then you're just like toxic and and you you take all the blame and all the stuff from everybody else and you give they give you all their dirt and all their stuff and it just you do it because you think well that means I matter to you and this is how we get sick this is how we kind of uh, fall into patterns another another pattern that you may be very familiar with uh, some of you out there is the addict the, and when the addict shows up, that's another pattern where the, the empaths can fall into because you're taking on so many pe people, so, many, so much of other people's stuff because you're not staying strong in your own heart, in your own body, in your own energy system, that addictions show up. You, you drown out the pain. You drown out the, the pain with alcohol or drugs in order to feel better. And it, all it does is it exacerbates it and makes it worse. Um, had I known what to do, <laughs> I might have avoided a lot of these pitfalls and obstacles and, and uh, unfortunately some, some pretty big tragedies in my life uh, that I experienced because I didn't know how to stay balanced. I didn't know how to stay centered. I didn't know how to get value from myself. I didn't know how to stay strong and still be an empath, still be sensitive to other people's feelings. You know, so this show is dedicated to all of us empaths out there who need a little boost of confidence and self-esteem.
and to learn how to take care of yourself so you can be in your power and be of the greatest service to others. My guest today is, she's amazing. <laughs> I've had a chance, just a short chance to, to meet and talk with her and uh, looked at her website. She, and, wait till you meet her. Her name is Lola Pickett <clears throat> and through her courses and programs, she empowers empaths to rewire their brains, bodies, and behavior so they can create lasting success and happiness. She is the published author of The Wild Messengers Alchemical Tarot and founder of Empathology. Her outrageously popular 10-week online course, her offerings blend cutting-edge neuroscience with trauma healing and playful adventure to create powerful and lasting results. When not facilitating transformational work, you'll find Lola on a hike, wild crafting medicines, and loving up on her husband and kids in the mountains north of San Diego. Her website is www.lolapickett.com. That's L-O-L-A. P-I-C-K-E-T-T dot com. Lola Pickett dot com. Lola, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and I'm already crying. You can see me wiping my eyes because this is such a, a sacred conversation we're going to have today. And it's so important. It is a sacred conversation. It's a, it's a mystical conversation and, and it's things that uh, when you embark on something like a conversation that we're going to have, it's uh, really staying humble and true and authentic to the words that you say because it, it's we're entering into that liminal space. Okay. And Lola, I was hoping that you could please share with the audience just a little of your background and, and why you do the work you do today. Mm, I... I come from a place of always having been too much. Uh, when I was little, I was too sensitive, and I took everything personally. I took on the unconscious role of being my family's therapist and counselor, and it's too much for a child to take on. And so it became like a whole big hot mess of too muchness. I was too much, and the situation was too much. And so... What happens and what I see in my clients is that there's one of two responses that happen. We either uh, rebel against everything that we've been handed and flame out in addiction, or we shut down. And I've done both. So um, as I grew up, I went on the path of shutting down and trying to be as normal as possible. And getting a practical college degree and marrying my college sweetheart and kind of checking off all the boxes of what you're supposed to want in a Western life. And I looked at the outside like I had it all. And in the inside, I felt um, totally dead. And so I wasn't sure what was wrong with me. I, I didn't put it together that I had shut down. At that point, it was totally unconscious. I thought this is the life that I actively chosen. So obviously, there's something wrong with me if I'm not happy and what I'm supposed to want. Um, and, and so then I started to spiral in the other direction and compensate for that, that internal deadness with patterns of addiction. Um, my drug of choice was shopping. And so I would spend money, I'd lie about it and hide my receipts and hide the tags and um, carry an enormous amount of shame at how good I was becoming at lying to myself and other people. Mm. 
and it was absolutely 100% toxic. And my wake-up call came when I had my first son, my, my only son, my first child. And when he was born, it's been just uh, almost a decade now, I, I looked at him and I thought, I can't, I can't be the parent that says you can grow up and be whoever you want to be in your life if I'm not that person. Um, and that admission to myself was absolutely devastating. And it was the biggest um, opportunity of my life because from that moment forward, I started to really get curious about why I had made the choices that I had made. What was it that made me feel like I had been too much my whole life? Was I actually too much? Was this world too much? Is there a way I could start to engage more honestly with myself without sacrificing who I was to create something different for my child and for, for all of us in our family? And, you know, asking those questions was really hard, and I got some confronting, challenging answers, including that the marriage I had um, been in for a decade was not the right fit for anyone. Um, and so I began to embark on this wild journey of waking up and basically falling in love with myself and then the entire world around me. And out of the pain of that process and out of all the learnings, I shared a lot about my journey along the way, and people would get fascinated. How are you finding the courage to to move through these huge transitions that so many people don't even um, don't even address? You know, how are you how are you doing this? And so I started to take on clients to guide them through their own kind of wake up calls and processes of undoing the too muchness messaging. Um, and in the process, I became very well versed in the trauma background that most, most empaths have, the signs of what I now call empath stress disorder, and created some pretty unique ways to help people get back into their bodies, open their hearts again, and create a fantastic life for themselves because we are the ones who deserve it, right? Like we are the kind, healing, compassionate, beautiful soul people mm -hmm. and most of us are really struggling to thrive in everyday life and I just I'm sick of it I'm sick of seeing it I agree. so that's where we are I agree you know it's uh, <clears throat> you it, it's the people who are, are very sensitive to the world around them, the people that they love that they care about that they hurt for that um, that they end up you know there's a, an image that I have is that you see all these people that are sad and hurting and this and an empath comes in energetically and, and, and psychically and spiritually. And they'll come in and they'll touch the person and they take on and they absorb all of that. And then they go off and, and, and they're happy. And then you grab this other person and you hold on to them and you absorb that stuff. And then all of a sudden you've absorbed everybody else's stuff around you and then you're, you're just weighed down by it. And it can weaken our will. <clears throat> it can weaken our constitution. And it's really, uh, you know, very what you the, the journey that you described is so beautiful. My God, uh, uh, I know the journey. <laughs> I know it, and the consequences and the choices that I had made when I reached uh, uh, one of my big, huge crisis points. Uh, you know, when my uh, at the time the my my first ex-fiance, uh, when she left me suddenly and unexpectedly, uh, that was that moment of crisis, of opening up, like, wow, um, I've got to change. I can't continue this path anymore. And I have to clean up my, myself. And so uh, 
what is an empath, um, Lola? What what? How do you? How does someone out there know if they are an empath? Yeah. Well, the traditional definition is that you you feel things that aren't yours, um, and you might not be able to differentiate and even understand consciously that that what you're feeling isn't yours. But I go a little uh, different in a little different direction than that because what I'm seeing is that. Um, because so much of the empath's experience is not conscious, that instead there are more obvious indicators that are hints and clues that you're probably an empath. And some of those things include anxiety, um, especially social anxiety, patterns of isolation, introversion, addiction patterns, um, being a perfectionist surprisingly has some connections with being an empath, being a workaholic, um, there are so many secret signs that that are connected to our um, desire to be good, right? Like the empath's heart is such that we want to help everyone. We want to help everyone. And what happens with most of us is that we forget about the center of our universe, ourselves, uh, in that process and we abandon ourselves which then leads to all of these side effects and symptoms so really an empath is someone who has a pattern of self-abandonment in order to show up with their heart open mm-hmm. and what we must learn is how not to abandon ourselves while keeping our hearts open and there is there is a way to do that. It is totally possible. <laughs> well, it, it is, and it's it's often uh, it takes people who have been on the journey themselves to be able to recognize it and understand it, and see where people are at and how to be yeah. able to take the lessons that we have and we've learned on the journey to help them along on their path as well. And uh, it is, uh, you know, I think there's so much strengths that when we're going to get into it here in just a little bit <clears throat> that empaths have. Uh, yet uh, so often it's because you take on everybody else's stuff that you're, you're going into these depressions, you're going into these things. And I was very sensitive to these feelings and emotions and, and the sensitivity. I mean, I could literally, Lola, walk into a room and I can tell if it, there was a fight and there was something going on over here. I could sense before things even happened, something happening. And I just had it. I don't know where it came from. I just, I knew that at a young age. I knew when somebody came in, if they could take down the entire energy of the rest of the room. Did you know at a young age you were an empath as well? Did you, were you, some clues that tuned you into that you had some kind of extra sensory going on around you? <laughs> yes. Um, there were a lot of clues. Um, and that's the other thing that's funny about us empaths is that we're all incredibly gifted at uh, ESP and psychic gifts. So, you know, we, we, we tend to be a little woo and out there as well. But when I was younger, I would have prophetic dreams about people. Mm. And so it was almost like I could perceive where they were without even being in the same time-space reality as them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would extend into the same experiences that you had where you would go into a room and immediately just feel, you know, a crushing weight or a total uplift. Like, this isn't always about the heavy stuff. It's also about the joy and happiness that we can feel in other people and as part of our motivation for being people pleasers is that we feed off of that joy and happiness especially if we're not creating our own so if we're fixing everybody else and like boosting them up then we get to kind of 
ride the tail feathers of that um, of that experience. And so I would find myself doing that a lot. Um, but what happened was as I as I started to just not be able to handle it, all of the the things that I was feeling, and certainly in my own household, the things that I was feeling, the unspoken tensions my parents had that kind of thing, um, my response to it was to shut down the sensitivity um, and just to buckle down and show up and do the work and, and be the good girl, get good grades, keep my, my you know, nose down. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, being an empath for me actually looked like not feeling very much. Um, and it, it's painful. I mean, I think it's equally painful to not feel as it is to feel too much. Like, that's why I'm so invested in let's let's find each and every one of our happy medium in that place. Well, I, I think so. You know, it's it's learning to balance. You know, I think one of the uh, teachings that I've recently studied with is with Carolyn Miss and getting into that law of balance. You've got to find yeah. your law of balance, and if you keep going too far in one direction. Life is going to throw you, catapult you into another direction. Why? Because the, the, you need to be in that balance. And empaths can throw themselves so completely off balance that it takes those crises in lives to kind of like wake us up uh, to that, you know, reality and that truth. And I did look, um, you know, it's interesting because I was in the military. Uh, you know, I went to the Air Force Academy down here and... There were some fun facts on your webpage that kind of like, wow, you had some similar aspirations when you were, when you were young, uh, that you were a French major in college and planned to be an agent for the CIA uh, or a translator for the UN. Uh, and then you switched to graphic design and went into print and publishing. And then you stayed in that job for a while and then you found it very unsatisfying. What led you to make that transition? I, I mean, mine was uh, kind of, a, I had to uh, make a decision on what wanted to resonate and sing in my heart. I, I followed what my heart was saying. But what led you to make the transition to doing the work you're now doing? Was it a calling? Was it a feeling deep inside that you wanted something different? Yeah, it was a deep, deep feeling of there has to be more than this. There has to be more than um, going home from work in traffic and having panic attacks about having to go to work the next day or having clients call me about things that didn't matter, you know? Like, I I was in a job where I was so disconnected from the purpose of that work that I could not perform it the way that I needed to to really thrive, and I did fine. Actually, like, on paper, I was doing great, but... It just felt so empty to me, and there's only so much of that an empath can take before you reach a, a decision point of there's got to be something more than this. And so at the same time as I was starting to question all the other aspects of my life, my career came into question as well. At the time, I was a director of marketing for a company who produced a product that I really did not, didn't believe in. Um, it was in the beauty industry. And... So I started blogging about my journey of trying to uncover what does happiness even mean? Is it a worthwhile pursuit? Is it something that isn't really possible if we go after it? How do we cultivate this feeling of presence and peace in our lives, even if our circumstances aren't perfect? And as I started to blog about that and get lots and lots of positive feedback and resonance from people all over the world, um, it became quite apparent to me that there was something in that. You know, there was something in that with, that could potentially become 
a career path or at least a, certainly a more heart-centered way of showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. So at the same time as I was kind of trying to figure out my, my nine-to-five job, I had my baby. I was allowed to work from home. And that began to become like this shifting thing where the nine to five started to fade away and this other endeavor started to show up. And it, it, it was not exactly a linear path. Um, how it <laughs> ended up happening was my, my skill set and my practical job of graphic design skills um, ended up being like the bridge between where I was and where I wanted to go. And that's what I would say to people who are like, why did I make these choices? I should have, I should have, should, 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 should all over the things that that you've done in the past, maybe from a a disillusioned place or certainly like an unaware place, potentially. All those things are such gifts for your purpose you're meant to serve in the world. If I didn't have graphic design skills, I might still be stuck in my horrible job because that's what helped me move from there to here. And what I discovered in that process is that everyone who needs design is still afraid of being seen and being authentic and trusting that they have, that their gifts are enough, right? So it it turned into a role of mentorship as well. And so then that started to slide up and take over. And I haven't looked back since. That's exactly what I do full time now in various ways. And, you know, it's a real funny, like twisty, unexpected journey, but it all makes sense in hindsight. It always does. (laughs) It doesn't make sense when you're going through it, that's for sure. (laughs) Because it goes here and there and up and down and low. And you're like, what? But then all of a sudden you're like, wow, how did I get here? Um, (laughs) What are some of the challenges that empaths have when it comes to taking care of themselves, Lola? Where does this come from and why is it so challenging? Well, I have a theory um, that most of us who are empaths develop that skill set through some pattern of trauma, whether it's childhood trauma, whether it's societal trauma, whether it's an event-based traumatic experience or complex PTSD. A lot of the symptoms of um, trauma survivors match with the patterns of empath stress disorder. And empaths develop their their gifts of hypervigilance, of sensitivity, of caretaking, of codependency as a survival method. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is we get into these patterns of survival where our nervous system wiring begins to take on this way of perceiving the world, right? And so we're operating from a place of survival versus being able to honor ourselves. Because we were taught at a very young age, either by our society or by our family or by something that happened, that the only way we're going to have value is by helping other people or by maintaining such a level of hypervigilance to know where everybody is at every single moment that that's the only way we're going to stay safe. So it makes for an incredibly strong empath and also it makes us forget that we have needs. So one of the things that I first work with with people is to honor the fact that you're a human. You are allowed to have needs. It doesn't make you needy. It's not going to turn you into the people who are energy vampires and, you know, that that have preyed on you your whole life just because suddenly you have needs because those people aren't taking responsibility for themselves either. So that's what makes it so heavy to, to deal with because they're like, well, you can just do it for me. But it turns out you can't. Yeah. And so it makes us it makes us physically sick, it makes us mentally ill, it puts us into patterns of coping, 
that are just not good for our hearts and souls and bodies and minds and children and families and careers and everything, right? And so the first step to reclaiming our place in things is to say, I have a place in things. I have needs. What do I need right now? So when you're finding yourself going into fixing or rescuing or getting trapped in some sort of emotional loop about, well, what if this and, well, they need this right now and da-da-da, just pause for a second and ask yourself, okay, where am I? Like, presence yourself and where you are in the room right now. This is also a good um, nervous system tip to move from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Presence yourself in this space. And then ask yourself, what do I need right now? Could be as simple as a glass of water or a little self-hug or a deep breath. Or I need to say no to this. Or I need to say yes to this. Um, the first step to really creating the boundaries we're so challenged with is just coming back home to ourselves and honoring that we are a person. That's so true. Uh, you know, you were just mentioning things like uh, energy vampires and people stealing your your life force. So, I mean, it's almost like they want to recruit your will and own it and take ownership of it because you're so open to giving <clears throat> yourself to others. And then all of a sudden you're completely depleted from those things. And then you're like, what are my, you don't even know what your needs are. I didn't even know what my needs are, yeah. you know, because you're so concerned about what other people, what's going on with other people. And then you're so worried about becoming the very thing that you don't want to become because you can see that that you don't you don't address it and then getting to a place where you're like it's okay it's okay yeah. to say yes mean say yes when you mean yes and say no when you mean no don't say yes when you mean no and no when you mean yes yeah. and, no that uh, equals no boundaries <laughs> zero zero boundaries <laughs> um yeah. you were talking about the body and uh you know you in one of the the uh posts that you have or that you write in your in your in your messages that you send out and you say that the body can literally reject someone's energy and that your anxiety will start acting up anytime bad energy disturbs your spirit so you've got to listen to your body is there something that uh, people who have an empathetic nature or are empaths that they need to know about their nervous system that makes them unique yeah yeah, so it's actually been studied in um, neuroscience how a highly sensitive person or an empath's nervous system is sensitized to the world and whether there might be a difference in the wiring in the nervous system and the sensory gating processes in the bodies of people who identify as empaths and HSPs. And the research has come back and it says, yes, there are actually wider open sensory gates. So the way that our nervous system works is it's a, a series of what are called gates that allow um, data to come into our body and then be interpreted in our brain. And with most people, people who don't identify as an empath or as a highly sensitive person, the gating process is pretty um, thorough, right? You only receive the data that your brain determines that it, it needs to make the next immediate decision. However, for HSPs and empaths, our gates tend to be far more open, which means that we are literally, not just theoretically, receiving more data. Mm. And yet, our brains are not wired, our hearts are not wired to process that much data. So it sends us into a sensory overload, 
which then we have compensation patterns for, and those vary depending on what our trauma responses are. So compensation patterns could be going into a fawn response where you're codependent. It could be going into a flight response where you shut down and leave. It could be into a freeze where you just absolutely get paralyzed and disengage. It could go into fight where you're like, F you do, and you know, you kind of go into um, almost like a, an abusive pattern because you're, you're overwhelmed, right? And most of our abusers are, in my opinion, unskilled, overwhelmed, overloaded, um, mentally ill empaths, right? Like, we're not so different. Yeah. And that's the part that's really hard for us to swallow. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's a, <clears throat> one of the works that I do is I work with people who uh, are going through uh, divorce to help establish parenting plans for their children because they don't recognize how much the conflict and the violence and the abuse can do, does, can do you know, real serious emotional, psychological, spiritual damage to kids, which leads to all kinds of problems later on in the future. 90% of abusers were abused as children, you know, and if we can intercept that, and it's such a, you know, and I think you're right, their system has been damaged in some way, and they can't, they can't break the code, they can't seem to get it. And it leads into that, what you've been talking about, um, which I, I think is a fa fascinating term that you've uh, described, which is called empath stress disorder. We talked about this, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday when we when we uh, we had our conversation, and I thought, my gosh, you know, that's we, this the, the whole purpose of the, the when the original intent of the council, the original mission, was to help people heal and recover, reclaim and transform from trauma-related issues, violence, abuse, all those issues that come up that damage people's hearts and souls, and their brains as well, because we know that trauma does damage to our brains. It makes these tragic adaptations in the brain in order to protect the individual from, from danger. That fight or flight, freeze response system goes in overdrive, and it can be, it can really, it can last for decades. When you described empath stress disorder, I thought, my goodness, you got you to you gotta share this on the show. Could you share what it is and what the key factors are with ESD? Yeah, so empath stress disorder is a series of side effects and symptoms that for an empath, if you don't recognize what they are and begin to work with your sensitivities and systematically rewire your own nervous system, these symptoms and side effects over time will tank your physical health, they'll keep you in loops of financial roller coasters, and basically disempower you from stepping up into your purpose. And the way that you know that you have ESD, and this is not a medical diagnosis because even though this is a somatic issue, it's not a medical problem. This is something that we can learn to partner with. Right? This is not a sign that you're broken. It's actually an indication of exactly what you need to do to return to wholeness, which is who you already are. So the symptoms of ESD include things like what we've talked about with anxiety, with depression. Um, and oftentimes depression doesn't look like you're feeling low. It looks like you're shut down completely from your feelings, mm -hmm. that you're apathetic, um, mm -hmm. that you're feeling ashamed of the fact that you're not happier. So depression has a lot of different experiences beyond just like the blues, right? And that's something that I think is important to acknowledge. Other things that show up with ESD is procrastination. 
um, an unwillingness to do things unless they're perfect because of how they'll be received and how you'll be validated for your worthiness. Um, that's the, the empath connection. Um, and it also includes a real challenge with focus. And one of the reasons for that is that we are in a sympathetic nervous system response overdrive, which tends to dilate our eyes. And when our eyes are dilated, even just a little bit, the intent of that in the survival mechanism is to take in the big picture so you can get as much data as fast as possible about where to go to save yourself. However, if you're just sitting at your desk trying to come up with a marketing plan for your business and you're in sympathetic overwhelm, can you pinpoint on your website to be able to write the copy when your whole body is wired to be taking in the whole picture? You can't, right? So we have a hard time staying focused on what it is that we're here to do, which then leads to a lot of financial disempowerment. And because our nervous system is used to being stressed, and this is how we've been programmed since we were little to thrive and like survive, well not thrive, to survive, mm -hmm. um, we tend to get locked into those patterns of both financial, um, like ups and downs and uncertainty, as well as the same thing with our relationship patterns, because that's what we know and what we know to be true in our bodies, not just in our belief system, is what we tend to live out, right? So we're, we're living out these patterns and the reflection is coming back that you actually are, are invested in being stressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, that's not a conscious choice, right? But that's what ESD tends to look like. So it's, it's pretty debilitating. And there are amazingly simple and super powerful ways to begin to overcome it. And that's what I love to, to share with people because it's like, oh, no, like my life is over. But it's not. It's, <laughs> it's the beginning. Not. No, it's not. And, we're gonna, and, I'm, and I definitely want to get into some of those uh, tools that you have and the gifts that you have and, and, and let people know about the course that you're going to be uh, you're, that you're signing people up for right now because I think it's yeah. you're you're right on on this stuff. I mean, I, I oh my gosh, everything would you share? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, it's like me. I mean, you're just like everything, everything. Oh my gosh, me too. Um, uh, and empaths are often people pleasers, right? We're often the people that we we want to help so bad. We're going to sacrifice ourselves. We're going to give to them what, what they think we need. They need from us. And we can be enormously drained as a consequence from that interaction, be contaminated by their bad, their, their psychic viruses, their bad juju. Uh, it's the way we're wired. How can empaths and others recover from being people pleasers? I mean, I, I consider mm -hmm. the people pleaser syndrome. <laughs> yeah, let me just show you my coffee mug that I, I had made. Uh -huh. It says recovering people pleaser. <laughs> 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 That's great. Because, I'm going to go get one of those made for myself. Yeah, I'll hook you up. Okay. Um, so how we recover from people-pleasing is to start choosing our own pleasure. And that is a very daring proposition. Um, first of all, it assumes that we can even um, open up to that, right? That we feel that we're worthy of that. But it's a necessary step. And what we need to ask, there's a, a powerful question that I actually made my husband put on his computer keyboard on a post-it note because it was like, shit, this is the way I stopped doing this, is to ask yourself, is saying yes to this saying no to myself? Is saying yes to this saying no to myself? 
And just sit with what shows up in response, right? Just sit with the information that's available to you. It's just information. doesn't mean you have to judge yourself or feel bad or be ashamed of the fact that you have compromised yourself over and over again. That's okay. We're all learning. I still do it sometimes, like we all do. We're all kind of recovering people pleasers once we get into this process. Um, because also, it's a natural human tendency not to want to be ostracized. We are a communal creature by our animal nature, right? So this is not all our fault, and it's not all from trauma. It's also part of being a human animal that we want to get along because it's beneficial to us to be a part of a community. What we don't realize is that the only way we're going to be a part of a true community who actually has our back, front, side, top, and bottom is to be our real self. And the only way we're going to be trustworthy to the people we care about the most is if our word is valid, if our word has integrity. So that goes to what boundaries are really made of, which is integrity. People think it's made of like a magical white light shield or... Um, you know, some kind of heart projection or even the words yes and no, and that's, that's all part of it. But real boundaries, real boundaries that are allowing you to keep your heart open are simply based on the fact that you can trust yourself, and that's what integrity is. You know, that's one of the hard lessons that I've had to learn, Lola, is, uh, you know, because I came from, or I just had that, uh, that sense of that, I, I, um, you know, let me just give in to this. Let me just give in to this. Let me just uh, allow this. Okay, I'll let this pass. I'll let this pass. I'll let the... But by doing that, it allowed it. I kept sacrificing that part of me. I, I kept losing integrity with myself. I kept losing that sense of, I, I, you know, uh, I started betraying my own self. And, um, and, and because I couldn't, you know, it's so important to give your word and keep it. And it's so important to follow and, and give it to yourself. You cannot hold anybody accountable to anything if you can't hold yourself accountable to the same stuff. You can't. You're lying to yourself. I was lying to myself. And, you know, one of the things that I often found myself involved in as a consequence was in, in relationships with narcissists. Um, and I know this, you know, I, you know, narcissism is usually a male trait because our culture... <clears throat> uh, disdain sensitive men uh, and you know because you got, you can't cry men don't cry you don't you don't show emotion you stick it out you do whatever okay well that off, can often lead to those suppressed emotions that they have an overinflated uh, ego right and then, which leads to that narcissism uh, but I've also consistently attracted women who are also at narcissists um, and ha or had narcissistic tendencies uh, Lo, why is this attraction between empaths and narcissists so strong? Well, it's a polarity thing. Um, it's what I believe is the case is that there's a, a spectrum. On one end, in the extreme, is like the extreme empath who's completely self-sacrificing, and on the other extreme of that spectrum is the narcissist who sacrifices everyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so because it's, it's a polarity thing, and these are the two extremes, they're magnetized toward each other, just like men, if they're it, a, an archetypal masculine, are attracted to an archetypal feminine, or those polarities that exist within us all, regardless of our gender. And so it's a natural magnetism that happens that isn't really the fault of either one of the parties. 
it's just like puzzle pieces that fit together. Now, because they, they fit together, does that mean it's healthy? No, right? And so the remedy for empaths, because what we tend to do when we discover this is to go, well, it's all narcissists' fault and narcissists are jerks and, um, you know, we got to avoid narcissists and this is all on them and it's society and it's that. And there's a lot of contributing factors to that stuff. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter who whose fault it is. And the only enemy we really have is inside of us. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is make peace with our inner narcissist. Yep. And this is an absolutely awful feeling at first. You're going to feel like you're, you need to be arrogant, that you need to be self-centered, that um, you're afraid you're going to turn into the very enemy that you are uh, afraid of and have been abused by, right? Mm-hmm. But there is such a thing as healthy narcissism. And narcissist, narcissism itself gets a really bad rap, and it's probably one of the most over-diagnosed armchair psychologist things to say about someone, that and borderline personality disorder. It's like, oh, you're a narcissist, or oh, you're this. Well, maybe, maybe not. There's definitely a diagnosable disorder happening with NPD. But inside of us all is a healthy ego. This is not about killing the ego. It's not about being egoless. That's the unhealthy empath. We need to find that, what Carolyn Miss talks about, that balance where we have the same amount of self-interest as we do in communal belongingness and service. Those things need to exist in tandem in a sacred marriage inside of ourselves or they become unhealthy and cancerous. I think it's, you know, it, uh, being able to have that kind of mystical union on the inside first. Uh, for those of you, you it's, we all have uh, masculine energy and feminine energy in, our, in ourselves. It comes from our mom and dad, all right? It's just we've been we're balancing that within us helps us to be fully realized. And it begins inside of you first. It's not outside of you. But very often we start on the outside looking for that first to give it to us. And if you don't have a healthy ego, or if you're falling into that, that polarity, which is the narcissism empath polarity, very often the, the shadow self of the empath is the narcissist and the higher self of the narcissist is the empath and you're both there to mirror to each other what it is that you need to integrate, I think. That's right. Yeah, we're teachers for each other. Yeah, and it's that soul-infused ego. I think. You were just mentioning that about having that sense of you got to have a healthy ego. You want to have a soul-esteemed ego where you're okay. It's not about destroying it it's a, or annihilating it. Okay, but then what? <laughs> it's not going to help. How do you drive the ship? Yeah. How do you drive the ship? Where are you going? What's the point? <laughs> Who are you? Um, what is the secret to healing the empath? Because it's about the empath. Uh, so as not to create these boundaryless relationships, whether it's narcissists, codependents, victims, scapegoats, whatever those patterns are, whether this is an intimate relationship, a family member, somebody at work, how can they do that? Yeah, well, it's a, it comes down to that integrity, peace, and self-trust. If you can imagine that regardless of what happens, that you know that you can fall back on yourself Right, And not like, I got myself and I got this and I don't need any help, but more like, I believe in myself and I can receive from whatever is happening and integrate it 
and trust that it is adding to the becoming of who I am meant to be. This is how we begin to disentangle ourselves from those health, unhealthy relationships because what that's, what that's been built on is our identity being put outside of ourselves. I identify with helping this person. I identify with fixing this person, with um, holding this person's darkness, with with being it being my sole job to save the world because it, I can transmute it. I can take this on, and, and not everybody's willing to do that. So maybe there's also a little unhealthy sense of like, well, I'm special, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The it's disease like, of a, the, a, the disease of specialness. You know, I'm so special. Yeah, it's, you know, that's and that's a big thing. Look how special yeah. I am. Look how mean. This is what I can do. Look how sacrificial I am. Right. Look how much of a martyr I am. Look how willing I am to give myself up. Mm-hmm. This is like something that we wear as a badge of honor a lot of times. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of heartbreaking and also completely liberating to recognize that we are, most of us, completely forgettable and only special in the fact that we're unique as a fingerprint. Yeah. But so is everyone else, so is everyone right? Else. And so yeah. we're all special and we're all not, not special at the same time. Um, and so recognizing that you're you're unique, but you're not so special, you're not above anyone else, you're not below anyone else, that you have your own back, this can help you begin to, first of all, see the unhealthy patterns that you're in because once you start to be on that journey of self-integrity, not lying to yourself anymore, being really honest with yourself about your choices and taking um, taking back the reins of your life, the, the disease in your relationships, in your finances, in your career choices, it becomes outrageously apparent. And because you are honest with yourself, even if it's scary to confront those things, it's almost like it's less scary to confront them than it is to ignore them. And you kind of you kind of reach that point. I think all of us reach that point in different ways. But once we're there, it's real hard to go back from there. It's like you can't unknow. <laughs> That's right. You can't unknow. Once you learn it, you can you can decide to not do it, but you can't unknow it anymore. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show. I want to uh, get into uh, some of the ways that people can instantly tune up their boundaries uh, beyond just like casting a shield. You know, and and then we're going to get into you know what is that one word that people need to master as an empath. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, for the boundary tune-ups, most of the time we are told that boundaries mean keeping people out, right? It's like, okay, this is a shield. This is protection from other people. So the one piece of advice that I want you to receive from today is that your boundaries aren't about keeping other people out. They are about letting yourself out. You become... Your boundaries, you become the filter. The more yourself that you dare to be in your life, whether that's how you dress, how you speak, how you eat, um, what you choose to do, how you choose to spend your time, this is going to be your boundary. You don't actually have to have boundaries. You don't have to create anything. Boundaries are about beingness. Mm -hmm. So in some small Mm -hmm. way, every time you make a choice that feels true to who you are in that moment, you are in your boundaries. You are protecting yourself without keeping everybody else at bay. And this is also how we keep our heart open, right? So remember that it's not about keeping other people out. It's about letting yourself out, right? And that's like, ooh, who's even in there? But let's discover it together. Let's have fun with that process because, you know, no one's perfect. And it's even better if we can all just admit it and move on and 
and actually have real connections that way. Um, and then the one word that empaths need to master, which is kind of surprising, um, a lot of people think the word is no, it's actually yes, because it's about saying yes to you. For once in your life, it's about saying yes to yourself, right? And so I also ask you to consider today, right now, what can you say yes to that makes your heart feel alive, that makes you feel like everything might just be okay and that you belong, right? Your belongingness is you're in charge of that, and it's by saying yes to the things that really light you up. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. I'm going to say yes to go on. I'm going to go sing and dance this afternoon. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is yeah. been a, I'm going to do something. Uh, you know, I think that's, uh, I've, I've always thought it was no, saying no to others, but actually saying yes to yourself. And that yep. lights you up. And that if it's, when you make the, that boundary is about being true in alignment with you and letting yourself out. You know, I think that's, nobody can empower you as much as you can empower yourself or as God can empower you or source or whoever, however you want it. That's it. That's where your power comes from. That's where you, and allowing yourself to shine, trusting that you can shine or wherever, how life leads you. And I think that's brilliant. Um, Lola, as the founder of Empathology, which is a 10-week course for empaths, ready for shameless success, emotional freedom, and unshakable confidence. Uh, they can find this uh, on your landing page. Uh, it's at uh, lolapickett.com slash empathology, uh, which is spelled E-M-P-A-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y. Uh, that's the landing page that they can go to to sign up for your class, and it's open right now, right? It's open now? It's open right now. Mm-hmm. And for those out there who are interested, what might they expect from taking this class? I mean, how is the how is this 10-week course spread out? Oh, man. It is it is broken up into little bite-sized pieces, first of all, because we all know how overwhelmed we already are as MFAS, so... I, as a course designer, have a lot of heart in how I present the information, Mm -hmm. which is part of the experience. But what you're going to come away with is a whole new way of engaging with your senses, your own nervous system responses, and seeing how deeply those patterns within your body are connected with the problems that you're having around finances is a big one, but also Mm -hmm. around our friendships, our relationships. So after 10 weeks, imagine by the end of this summer that you have a totally different relationship, yes, with yourself, but with your bank account, where you're not afraid to go check your bank balance because you have a dynamic now with money where it's your friend, right? You're not going to fight, flight, or freeze every time you try to think about earning money. Um, this stuff is deeply connected to our wiring as empaths. And I'm not seeing anybody really talk about it in the ways that are happening inside this course. And because I'm also super playful and fun, I mean, we didn't like see that side fully come on today, but the way that I um, have my students integrate the work is through play exercises. I dare you to go do things. Um, I really help you with the support of our community, ask you 
to rise up into who you say you want to be so that you can create the life that you say you want to have and stop blaming everything else on the reasons why it hasn't happened yet, right? Like the common denominator and all this stuff is you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's fine. That's great. It's painful, but also it's freedom. So this class is like totally incredible. It's fun. The community is like no other because everybody in there is like a recovering people pleaser, a misfit, somebody who's been told they're too much and to come into a place where you can be all your muchness and, have all your questions and all your mess and have people be like, you, you. Uh, it, it's really incredible. Like that alone is like, I mean, there's so much to that. That sounds absolutely, I mean, everything that you're talking about, I mean, it just like so resonates with me, everything, you know, the, and it, you, uh, people, folks, you, you've got to, if this is, if this is resonating with you, go to, go to Lola. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I can already tell. She's one of the best people in the world to go about this stuff. I can just feel it and sense it. Uh, you do so like face painting and stuff like that too, right? Is there something I like, do. You know, yeah, like that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry we yep. didn't get a chance to go into that or anything. Um, could you share briefly just some of the other programs that you have that you also offer to other people and, you know, uh, the benefits that they'll get from working with you? Yeah, for sure. So Empathology is my flagship course. That mm -hmm. is the, the main place that I put my passion. It's also the, the easiest way to get some in-depth time and space with me. There's life coaching involved with that class as well. Um, but I do do private one-on-one -on -one work as well. And in that container, we tend to actually build in adventure retreats because I love to travel and I love to confront my own edges around flying and going to new places and I think that if I'm not growing with my clients, then it's not a, a fair dynamic, and I believe we need to be equals in this process, not uh, one above the other. And so um, I do adventure retreats with my private clients. I also create group retreat containers. I have a retreat coming up in February in Costa Rica that I'm really excited to get out there in the world. Um, I have a, a new communications course that's going to be coming out soon. So. It's all on my website. You can come over to uh, lolapickett.com and just check out what I'm up to. And I have a YouTube channel as well. So if, like, you just want a more, like, feeling into the energy that I bring. Um, but if you want to join in pathology, the doors are open just for just a couple more days right now for this round. So the summer could be totally different for you if you come play. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. You got something going on in Costa Rica? Costa Rica keeps coming back into yeah. my field here. There's another oh. uh, uh, friends of mine and amazing group of people right now that are doing this uh, magic retreat. Uh, you're, 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 it's just coming up in a couple weeks um, and with uh, Dr. Sarah Larson and um, uh, Ruth Meller. And so it just keeps coming back. And I went there. Costa Rica is incredible. Went there oh, for a incredible. yoga retreat uh, years ago, and it was just, uh, um, mm -hmm. Well, and I can do the medicine place. work that I do yeah. legally there, so yeah, yeah. Big, big bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Lola, what is one thing empaths can do today to start taking care of themselves? Um, I'm going to tell you all to go take a nap. <laughs> Surprising <laughs> advice. But um, sleep is where we restore and digest, and that's not just about our food. It's also about all the emotions and energies that we are taking on through our nervous system, and we need that time and space, and we are in a society that abhors anything but the most productive 
productive activities and values that above all else, and that's dehumanizing. So if you want to rehumanize yourself, be a rebel and go take a 20-minute nap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to take 20 minutes. After this, I'm going to go to Henry. We're going to take a nap. That's it. That's what we're doing, Henry, after this. Okay. That's your homework. That's our homework, Henry. <laughs> um, so people can reach you at lolapicket.com, right? And if we want to send, sign up to the, the class, it's going to be that's open right now in pathology. Uh, people, you folks, you want to do this. This, I, she's, I, she's amazing. So, um, and, um, you know, I just have I always ask right before I close out the show, Lola. All my guests who have come on, and thank you so much for joining us here on the council today and for the people that have been tuning in from around the world. I, I know this has been uh, an amazing show for you because uh, it's just an amazing person. Uh, Lolo, I always ask if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Life is too short or too long to spend one more minute of it being anyone but you. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. It's brilliant, 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 brilliant. Wow. Thank you, Lola. Thank you so much for being here. Um, there, you can find Lola again at lolapicket.com. Uh, Empathology. Uh, folks, what a great show. Um, I want to thank KUHSDenver.com uh, again for hosting the show and being the platform here. Thank you, Henry, and all the people here at KUHS Denver, the most great, incredible people here. Please tune into KUHS Denver for all, all varieties of music and programs and personalities and BDJs. And we've got some great stuff here. We're broadcasting all across Denver, all across the nation, and all across the world uh, in just so many different countries. Thank you so much for tuning in to the council. We will be back next week. We've got another fantastic uh, two guests that are coming on, the Grossmans, Dr. Grossmans. We're going to be talking about bringing spirituality into our marriages and having long-lasting romance. Oh, you're going to want to tune in for that. Folks, thank you so much. The show wouldn't be possible without you. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Council is adjourned. We'll see you next week. God bless. Yeah, yeah, they don't have